We'll begin the service. We have a song we'll sing, number 37, Standing on the Promises.
a wonderful thing to think about all the promises that's written here in this book of what God and his son Jesus Christ have come and they have assured that we can have those promises if we will just as he said hear his word listen to him and do the things that I command that I ask for you to do he says you're building upon that rock you're building upon the spirit of the Holy Ghost when we do those things and that's the promises that he has promised to us that we can have life eternal life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord so let's put that first and foremost in our mind this morning. Christ standing on the promises of Christ the King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Because what he has done for us, he'll do for you. What he's done for all of mankind, he'll do for each and every one of us. These promises are real, they are true. His word is the truth, and it is written right here in this book. And I want us to all to keep that in mind and remember them. Have them written in your heart and in your mind that you can use them to encourage, to be encouraged throughout the week, throughout every day, throughout the night when you are awakened, that you can be encouraged by his promises that he has given to each and every one of us. You know, just thinking here, let's turn to Matthew. There's some promises right there, some things in the beginning of Matthew there. His Word, the fifth chapter of Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount there. And it's just the wonderful words of life there for us. To be able to read and think is just thinking when we're singing those songs the promises that he's made, some of the things right here in the beginning that he had to say. We'll start reading there at the first verse of the fifth chapter of Matthew. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Can you visualize this wonderful picture in your mind of what was taken on? A whole group of people there that had come out to want to hear about what Jesus Christ had to say. And I can look around here and I see people here today. And I hope that's why we have all come out here today to hear his word so that we might grow closer to him. I believe that's what these people wanted to do. They wanted to understand more about what the message that Jesus Christ had to say. And I hope that that's why we've come today, believing that Jesus Christ will give us the message. These are his words. Let's talk about them. Let's read them, and let's explain them the way he would have it to be done today. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this is a promise from him. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. And he's talking about poor in our own self. But then rich in the spirit of the Holy Ghost, he says those, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, knowing that we are nothing. But through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ and God the Father, we can be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that something to think about this morning? And have eternal life. That's a promise. 
Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning our lost condition, and every single one of us have had to have that. If you've got that new birth today, there was a time when you was mourning that lost condition. And you were comforted then when you took it to Jesus Christ. He, has, he promised there, I'll send to you a comforter. I'll send to you that new birth. And that's what he's saying. Blessed are they that mourn. Mourn their lost, con undone condition that they were in. For they shall be comforted. And I know that is a true promise from him. That we can be comforted. I know I have experienced that comfort that he's talking about. And there are others here today that has experienced that comfort. If you have not experienced that, mourn that your broken and your undone condition that you're in. Take it to Jesus Christ and let him give you that comforter that he has promised so faithfully to his people. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Being meek in our own self, not trying to get ahead of the Lord, but seeing how undone that we are without him. And he says, those are the ones that will be able to inherit the earth. And that, I believe, will be able to inherit that, be a part of the kingdom of God, as he talked about. And be here upon the earth with Christ for a thousand years, being an heir with Jesus Christ. Be here upon the earth with him in a saved condition. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Another, all these are just, these are words of his. These are promises to us. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Is that what we're seeking today? Or did you come out here today seeking, hungering, just as if you were very hungry and you wanted to go and get something to eat, you might go find a very fine place that might you know that would serve some very good food, and you would say, I want to go to that place because I am really hungering and thirsty after something good to eat that will help this body and nourish this body. He's talking about the spiritual things here. Are you hungering and thirsting this morning and have you come to a place where you feel like that you will be able to get some good spiritual food for you this morning? He says if that's the case, if that's what you're doing and you're hungering and thirsting, you're truly doing that, he says you shall be filled. His Spirit will give to you all that you need. He will help you to grow. He will help you to become spiritually alive for they shall be filled, filled with that spiritual wisdom and knowledge that I desire and I want you to be able to desire that. Blessed are the, more, the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Loving your brother, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Be merciful to them. And he has parables and stuff that he shows how merciful that he would like for us to be. And look how merciful he was. Look how merciful he is to each and every one of us that desires hell, that desires to be cast into eternal darkness. 
But by His mercy, by the mercy of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ, God sent His Son here. And Jesus Christ overcame all and He, he took the cross upon Himself so that we could be saved. The mercy of Him will be extended to us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If we have that mercy toward others, and we love them, and we love God, and we love Jesus Christ, we shall be able to obtain the mercy of God and not be cast into eternal damnation, but have eternal life. These are promises, friends. Take them. Use them. Keep them in that treasure that you have and be encouraged by these promises that it's to you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And how can we be pure in heart? We have a, the heart of man is wicked. The heart of man is evil. But he says, I will give to you a new heart. I'll give to you a heart of flesh. A heart then that I can write my words in there. I can put my words in your mind and in your heart. And it become pure when you repent. When you repent and ask him to come into your life, then you can have that pure heart. And that is a blessed thing to be seeking after. For they shall see God. Isn't that something to think about? See God. And know what His mercy has done for you. And to be able to see Him, not as the wicked had come up there at that final judgment, in a fearful way, but come up and see him in a loving way, knowing that his mercy, you are saved. You shall see God, the almighty God. And everybody here will be able to, we will see him in some way. But the unrighteous and the wicked, it will be a terrible day. It will be an awful time when they, he says, I know you not, depart from me. But for those righteous, for those that he's talking about here, blessed are the pure in heart, they have made their way with Jesus Christ and with God the Father through the power, through the love, and through the Spirit that he has given to them. And they'll be able to stand there before God with confidence. Stand there not in fear. He says, I didn't give to you a spirit of fear. Do you think that you'd be standing there with His Spirit, fearing Him? No, you'd be standing there with His Spirit, praising Him for what He had done for you and loving Him. For the mercy that he has shown to you. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Peacemaker. 
making peace with God. That's what he's talking about. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How can I become a child of God? Repent. A child of God, an heir with Jesus Christ. Repent. Have that love, that pure love, that charity that he talks about. Faith, hope, and charity. Starting out with that faith in Jesus Christ and repenting of our sins and then having been able to have hope of eternal life through him knowing that he has promised that and then being able to have that spirit of God in you that will give you the love that he's talking about that you'll be able to make a, make peace with God the Father through Jesus for they shall be called the children of God. Are you a child of God this morning? Ask yourself that question. Are you a truly a child of God? Are all these things that we've talked about, is that part of your life? Are you, is that in you? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we've had very little persecution in our life here. There's been a few small things compared to what Christ went through and compared to what his disciples when they were here upon the earth went through. And that there's other people throughout the world today being persecuted tremendously for righteousness. But they keep in mind this. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's what each and every one of us have to have in mind today. And that's how people can go through all manner of terrible persecutions because they are not looking at what they can have here upon this earth in this fleshly body. They are looking ahead. They are looking to that eternal part. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And those things have happened and they happen here and all around throughout the world there. You can see how people today, how they look upon Christianity and how they persecute people in all manner of evil that they say against Christianity today because it is nothing more but Satan. They say these evil things against you falsely. And that's what is being done, falsely accusing Christians of the way that they live their life today. For my sake, for Jesus' sake. He was the one that came here. He overcame it all so that we can have eternal life. And then listen to this. That 12th verse. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Isn't that? Can you feel the promises can you feel his power and understanding that what he has just said to all of us here this morning and summing it up now 
to rejoice in it and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. How great that reward is. There is nothing more upon earth that we should be striving. He says, strive to enter into my kingdom. And we should be seeking that and we should be doing all that he asks so that we would be able to know for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And when we hear, see and we are persecuted or we hear people speaking evil about the work of the Lord that is within us, he says, great is your reward. They persecuted the prophets. They persecuted Jesus Christ. They persecuted the other righteous, the disciples that was here upon the earth. They have persecuted righteous people all the way along in the name of religion. Is what it has happened over and over and over and over. Not in the name of righteousness. But the righteous have been persecuted in the name of religion. By people professing to be religious. Let's don't let that once be in our mind. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Do you understand what he said? He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt is used in so many different ways, and it is used to preserve things here upon the earth. They used it tremendously in those days to preserve meats and whatever that they might be able to use it to make the food be edible. And he says, that's what you are. You're the salt of the earth. The righteous is who he's talking about. But then he goes on and he says, now, but, if, you have, if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? If it has lost that saving power, if it has been used, but then it, it cannot be used again for that purpose. And he says, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. If we lose out our, if we lose our, go back to the house that we came out of, he says, it's good for nothing. That house is desolate now. Don't go back into that. You've got that. You're the salt of the world. You've got the saving power of God within you. Don't let these things go. Don't even let it enter your mind of going back into something like that. It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden under. Ye are the light of the, of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You're the light of the world, he says. Is that... Spirit, he's talking about the Spirit of God within you. And he says that light then will make you different 
It will, you will be able to, people will be able to see and know and understand that you are the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You remember last week that we talked about Joseph's son? Just reminded of that here again. What was taking place with Joseph? Joseph, from a very young age, God was working with him. And what took place there? Every, even though it was meant to be evil to him because of the things that his brothers and others wanted to do. They wanted to bring evil upon him. But he was a light. And everywhere he went, people could see and understand that there was something different in this young man. God was with him. And it could not be hid. Even though people tried. They did all they could. They tried to do that. But it would not work. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. The Spirit of God within you, that true Spirit of God in you, will be shown. Others will be able to... Do you think that you can have the Spirit of God and go around through your life and people not see that there's something different in your life? That you are different from the world. He says, the world is something that I hate. He says, you must come out of that type of a lifestyle and live a godly, a righteous lifestyle because my spirit is within you now. And there is nothing evil in my spirit. I'm talking about God's spirit. And it must be there that we must then become a light that others may be able to see and give God the honor and the glory for the works that they see in you. It's not your works. It's the works of God within you. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. They light that candle, put it on a candlestick, and they set it there in the, on the table, and it lights up the entire room so that everybody in the house can see and know that that candle is lit, and it is giving light here in this room. And that's what he says will be about you. Put it under a bush that men... Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, here's the words, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Does it say anything there about you taking the glory or letting people see how good and righteous you are for your sake? Did it say anything about that? Let's read that again. Let your light so shine before men. Let that righteous spirit, don't try to squash it down, but let it shine before other people. Let that righteousness come out. That they may see your good works, the works of God being performed in you. That's what was happening in, in Joseph. And glorify your Father. Not you, which is in heaven. 
All you're doing is just being subject to the Spirit. Letting that Spirit direct you is what you are doing. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. And that's what he did. He didn't destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill all the prophecies that had been before him. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And he came here and he overcame it all and he fulfilled those things. And he brought forth the law of grace that we are under here today. And all the things there. But go back and look. The law. Just read. Go back and see what most of the, the ones there that Moses had. First of all, those ten, those ten commandments that he got on the mountain. Those are still just as much today as it was in that day except there about the Sabbath day. We are not required to not do anything on the Sabbath as they were in that day. But we should keep every day holy. Not just one day, not just the Sabbath, but the seventh day there we should have a day that we come out and we worship with Him and we hear His Word and we are taught His Word and we come... And we mingle with other righteous people. We should be involved in that type of a lifestyle. But there he's, he just think not that I am come to destroy the law. No, he didn't come to destroy it. Or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. And he did. He overcame everything, friends. He overcame all the things that the law said not to be involved in. He overcame it. And by him being able to overcome that with the Spirit of the Holy Ghost that was given to him, now each and every one of us can receive that and you can have power over those things. They didn't have the power over it when they were under the law in the day of Moses. They had to go through certain sacrifices and everything when they saw that they were in, that they had gone against one of those commandments. But today we can have power over every single one of them. The power of God is there in the righteous, in that spirit. And you can overcome because he says, I gave to you a spirit of power, not of fear, but of power and of love and sound mind. All of these, this is just what he has done for each and every one of us. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least command, one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And who was the one here? Jesus Christ. 
Think about this, what, what was going on there. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, teaching people to go against the commandments of God. He said he would be called least in that. But then I want you to listen there. No. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Who was right here that we're reading about? Who was doing, living by the law and teaching people against not to do the things or to not to go against the commandments? Who was that? First and foremost was right here was Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall do and teach them he was doing. He was teaching. And he says, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And there is no greater than that man, Jesus Christ. He was the one, the only person that has ever lived here upon the earth and lived a perfect life. He was never involved in sin. Was he tempted? Yes. Go back and he, he talks about how that he was in the wilderness there for 40 days, tempted of Satan. And then when he came out of the wilderness, immediately there Satan was tempting him again. But did he yield? Absolutely not. He was strong in the spirit. And he continued right on. And he is called great in the kingdom of heaven. And I believe there are others that have followed in his footsteps. They have followed in those steps. They have walked as he walked, as the commandments, as his word says. That we should walk as Jesus walked. And they have done those things. And they are looked upon today as being great in the kingdom of heaven. Not on their works, but by the works of Jesus Christ and God the Father. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's a strong statement there, friends. He was talking about people that looked like and felt like that they were the most righteous. They had their robes. They had all the things. They had studied the scriptures. They knew all about the, that kind of a thing. But it was self-righteous within them. Now, what did he say? Listen at that again. I say, for I say unto you, he was teaching and preaching this people there that, it, that was sitting in front of him. He was on the mountain teaching, and he says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise, no case, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Enter in with God and Jesus. The righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees and Sadducees 
was nothing more but self-righteousness within their self, and they were jealous about, of Jesus Christ. They wanted to put him off the earth. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stop his work. We can see out throughout the world today, you can see all kinds of religions out there teaching and preaching all manner of things. Nothing more than to serve their own, try to justify their own way, their own will. Instead, ah, and that was the way the Pharisees and the scribes were. They would make laws and things so that it would justify what they, how they lived their life. But they were supposed to be righteous people. But it was no more than just a man-made religion, basically. Now, yes, the law there was there, and that was the basis of what they were doing. And there can be people today here upon the earth and Jesus Christ, preaching Jesus Christ, and that can be the basis of what is being preached there. But then it goes on into other things that denies the word of the Lord and teaches and preaching things that goes in direct opposition to the word here in this book. But what did he say? He says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and the Pharisees did not know how that they could receive that new spirit. None of them had, had that. But there was people that was following him. There was people that was saying, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. I must live. I must put away my wicked ways, my evil ways. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. But whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the counsel, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. He just comes on down to there. First of all, we've got to have that love for our brothers and sisters. But I believe that last part there that he's saying is it's all a dangerous situation that he's talking about. But that last part there, to me, I believe, is what he's saying. He says that shall say whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. And that would be the way I look at that as saying somebody seeing a righteous person. Somebody that is walking upright with him. But you look upon him and say, you are a fool for following that type of a lifestyle. And there's people here upon the earth today that will look upon the righteous and say that. That they are foolish, they are ignorant, they are unlearned people. And that's what he's talking about here, I believe. That whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire talking against and saying things against a righteous person. Be careful what you say and do in those things, my friends. 
Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Just remember, look around, and if you have a problem, if there is something against you have against someone or they have against you, clean those things up. Do what you can that there is nothing there on your part. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou shalt be cast into prison. Agree with your adversary. Jesus Christ and God the Father is an adversary against evil and wickedness in you. But you need to agree with them. He is not agreeing with your wicked and undone way. He is pointing these things out to us. And we must agree with him in it. If we do not agree with him and, and listen to his word and live by his word, we will be rejecting him. And he says then, he says that if we reject him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou shalt be cast into prison. I don't want to be cast into that spiritual prison. I want, I want him to release us. I want to agree with Jesus and God the Father. I want to agree with them so that then I am not cast into prison, but I am free in Jesus Christ. Therefore I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. And when I look at that, that is eternal damnation. Because we did not agree with Jesus Christ here upon the earth. What does he say in another place? He says there, he says, don't fear him that when he has killed the body, that's all that he can do. He has killed the body, and that's all. But he says, fear him that has the ability to take your life and then cast you into outer darkness, cast you into hell. Fear him. But let's just be reconciled to him. Let's hear his word. Let's live by his word. And let's be at one. And let's agree with him so that all of these promises over here that we've been reading about we can and we will be a part of it. You are the salt of the earth, the righteous. Now let's see victory in it. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That was one of the Ten Commandments. To not commit adultery. And we see that rampant throughout the world today. In, in all manner of places. You see that. It's just 
however and whatever I want to do with my body, I can do that. But I say unto you, now listen, again, he, he says, this is what was written in the law. I'm fulfilling the law. And this is what I want to tell you. And this is what I want you to understand, he's saying. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already within, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Again, do you see what Jesus is bringing to, forth to us? Do you see how what he wants us to get sin and lust out of our life? And how he will give us the power over that? Listen to him again there, what he says. He says, you have heard that it was said to them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. We've all heard those things. We've seen it. We know what the law says in the Ten Commandments. But what did Jesus say? But I say unto you the words of Jesus Christ, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Having a lust, a desire to want to commit adultery with her, even though you did not do it. But having a lust or desire for that, he says you've done it in your heart already. The same thing. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. And this is what now he's telling us about. How we can avoid those things. If this is something that is offensive to us. And just like what he said there, if, if you've had that lust in your heart there, he says use the power of God to get it out. And I know that there's people here today that has, that has been able to use the power of God to take those type things away from them, to get that lust out, even though they may have lived in that lifestyle. Look at what Paul had and others. Look at the woman there that came to Jesus and they said, you have, we've caught her right in the act of this adultery. And he said, woman, I do not condemn you. But he says, now go and sin no more. He did consent to condemn the sin that was in her. But he, didn't, he was not tearing her down and condemning her to be killed. He says, now go. You've forgiven. Go and sin no more is what he was doing. And friends, let's know that that's the love of him and that's what he can do. And he has done. For people. Doesn't matter what you have lived in. What your lifestyle has been. And if thine eye offend thee. Pluck it out. And cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee. That one of thy members should perish. And not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee. Cut it off. And cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee. That one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. What he's talking about here, do we understand? It doesn't matter how close it is, you, these types, if whatever the sin is in your life, and it could be very close to you. 
He's just saying, get it out. He says it's profitable for you to get those things out of your life. Doesn't matter how close, how much you have had desires for that kind of thing and, and how much you have looked upon it as how can I just enjoy this type thing? He says, get it out. Doesn't matter how close it was to you. It may be something that is right within you, right within your family or your children or whatever it is. We can't let anything be above Jesus Christ. Any desire here upon the earth, whatever it might be. But he said, just get them out of your life. Doesn't matter. He said it's profitable for you to get that out, to lose that, to take the loss of that now while you're in the land of the living so that you'll be saved at that final day. And there would they, is, could there be anything here upon earth? Think about this. Could there be anything so valuable here upon earth or any lust in your life that is so great that you will allow yourself to be cast into eternal hell just to hold on to something like that? Ask yourself that question. And let Jesus Christ show you how frivolous the things of this life are. And that they will be gone. They're temporary. Soon they will be gone with each and every one of us. I don't care if you're the youngest person in here. If you live to be 100 years old, it will be soon. How quick the time goes. That all of those things, you will lay them aside. And all the things that you counted so great and dandy, and you looked upon them, and you put such a high price on such a high price as I want that more than I want Jesus Christ. And that's what's going on throughout the world today. Let's don't be a part of that. But let's want Him and desire to Him and strive to get closer and closer to Him so that these things here have no effect on us. Yes, we are willing to just depart from whatever it might be to set me at one with Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Have a desire to depart from whatever it might be so you can draw closer to him. It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, Causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Again, he was just going back and telling them some of the things that has, was written by man in the law. But he says, this is what I have said. This is what I am saying. This is what God is saying through me. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, Causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. It's just his words. Again, you have heard that it hath been said by them, 
of old time. Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. That we shouldn't go around just making all manner of oaths, swearing about this and swearing about that. He says, no. He says, thou shalt, fors- thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now we had better, each and every one of us, had better make a declaration to him that we will follow you. I will lay aside my sins and let your spirit come into my life and your spirit direct me. And my desire is to follow Jesus Christ. That is what we must be performing, but shall perform unto the Lord by nose. That's what he's talking about. Make a commitment to him and follow through with that commitment in everything we do. Make a commitment to Jesus Christ. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall thou swear thyself by thy head, neither shall thou swear by thy head. Because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Just look around and see how weak and frail that we are. What can we do? And how should we be going out here making all kind of oaths and claims of what we're going to do? I believe James said we should be saying this. If it's the Lord's will, we'll do such and such and such. And that's what we need to be doing today. We don't need to be going out here swearing about this and that, even on our own self or our own God or on the earth or whatever. He says, don't do those things. But let your communication be yea, yea, and nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. And we can see that kind of thing happen in a lot of cases. Just let your words be the truth. Whatever it is, yea, yea, or nay, nay, let it be the truth. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. When we start doing things and we start telling things, that's not of the truth is the way I look at that. Just let let your word be yea, yea, and nay, nay. The way I interpret that is let your words be the truth in everything you say, whatever it might be. And he says, whatsoever cometh more of that comes of evil. And there I believe he's saying when you start talking and when you start saying things and declaring things that are not the truth to maybe to help to promote yourself and to help to get little things. And people will proclaim things and say, well, that is just a little white lie. What's a white lie? A lie is a lie. If it's not the truth, it's not the truth. A white lie would indicate, well, that's something that the Lord would permit. He says, thou shalt not lie. And we need to live by that way. We should be let our words and let the things comes out of our mouth be yea, yea, 
and nay, nay. And never letting anything come out that is not the truth. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, but, but I say unto you, that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. And again, these are just things here that the way I look at it, it goes right back to that second commandment. To love thy neighbors thyself. All of these things that he's talking about here. To just be willing to let others, if they want the advantage, to let them have the advantage is what he's saying there. And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also if it's necessary to do. If it's necessary there. Now, I'm not saying that, that all of those things, that we just go out and we'd say, well, here, you've taken this, we here, you take this too. But if it was necessary for that to be in, have a mind, what he's saying, to just be willing to do whatever so that it does not cause controversy or show that you are wanting advantage over someone else. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. And you know, he even talks about that. He gives a parable about some of that. He says there that if a man would come to you at the midnight hour and say, Friend, I have visitors that has come, and I need something to give them to eat. Lend me three loaves. And the first thing that the man said, he says, No, I'm not going to lend you those things. My children are asleep, and I'm in the bed. Go away. That might be our first thought. But then he goes on and he says that, he would rise and give him as much as he needed because he would continuously be asking him there over and over. So he just said, I'll rise and give him what he needs there so that he can go and feed the people that came unto him. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. You have heard that it have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Do we have a mind that we want to pray for people like that? That's what Jesus said for us to do. To be praying for them. That they may be able to see the wrong that they're in and to help them in any way to overcome by showing them love instead of hatred, but showing them love for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Do good unto them that ye may be the children of your Father, 
which is in heaven. All of these things that he's laying out there, he says now, that do these things that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. Is that who, who our Father is today? Which is in heaven? Is he truly our Father? For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, to send rain on the just and on the unjust, Listen to that verse again. That he may, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. And then he stops and he tells about this. He says, For he maketh his Son to, sh to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. He is here and, and everybody is able to participate in the things there that Jesus and God has created how He's created this earth, and the sun that shines that we we like to see, and it brings forth life here upon the earth, and the rain that He sends here upon the earth that will help to bring forth the food and help the things to grow here upon the earth that we may have that we may use, and He says He sends that on the just and the unjust alike. They both receive those things. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? Now what he's talking about, he's wanting us to understand. He loves everybody, but there's the righteous. He has a greater love for them because they have submitted to him. He has that love. Now he has the love for the unjust. But the only way that they can fulfill that love and have the total love and the power of His is to submit to Jesus Christ. But He says here that this is why He that God sends that to the just and the unjust. So we should have that same mind in us that whether it's the righteous or the unjust, to just love them, that neighbor, as we love ourselves. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? Now the just loves God. The unjust does not have that love for God. But he says God gives them the rain, he gives them the sun alike. And that's what he's talking about for us. That if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Have that love for all mankind that you are willing to do whatever the Lord would ask you to do for them, whoever it might be. And I know that he will not lead you into things that is not necessary, that you shouldn't be involved in. He's not going to lead you into that type thing. But where he leads you, be willing to father, follow. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not the publicans the same? So be ye therefore perfect. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect.
That's another very strong statement that Jesus made. Extremely. Be ye therefore perfect. Even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And I believe everybody here would, would agree that God is a perfect being. Would, there wouldn't be anybody here, I believe, that would, that would say that God's not perfect. Jesus Christ, his words there was for us and for those people that were sitting and listening there, was to be ye perfect, be striving to be as God. He said, strive. We talked about that last week. Strive to enter into the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus is saying. Striving. He says, be ye perfect. Put, get the lust of the things out of your life. Let the Spirit of God be in your life and direct you in everything that you do, every place you go, where you, what you dress, how you dress. He says, let that spirit be there and be striving to be perfect just as God is perfect. That's a strong and a very large task for us if we're looking upon it as ourself. It's impossible if we're looking upon it ourselves. Don't look upon that as saying, how can I do those things? Just say, Lord, whatever you see fit, you want me to do, show me. I know, Lord, that you have the power to carry me through whatever. It does not matter what it might be. You have the power to lead me through it. You have the power to take it away. To take away whatever the desire is that you want me to get out of my life. You have the power to do that. You have the power. Let me walk close to you. Let me lay aside my will and walk as Jesus walked. And be at one then with God be at one with his son and be at one with his people here upon the earth wherever that might be and to be able to encourage I want to encourage everybody that's here today and that hears this message to don't be deceived don't let Satan tear you down. Don't let him say that it is impossible and you can't do these things. These were the words of Jesus. Do you think that Jesus was going out preaching and teaching something that was not right? This is the gospel of Jesus. This is the good news that Jesus had to proclaim to the people in that day. And it is the good news for us to be able to hear today and to be a part of. Seek Him. And let's see victory in Jesus Christ. I know we can. 
because he lived, because he lives today, we can face tomorrow. Whatever it brings, we can face it. And we can overcome because he did. Keep these things in mind. Be encouraged in his word, his work. He didn't tell these people something that was impossible. He told them something that you can be a part of. And I will send to you that comforter. And he has. It's available. Use it to his honor and to his glory. We'll bring this meeting to a close. And we will tomorrow night, we will have our monthly business meeting here at 8 o'clock. And we'll sing today number 242, Wonderful Words of Life. Number 
I hope that each and every one of us have been able to see and know and understand just as the song said. These are wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sing them over again to me. Teach and preach them over again to me. Let me more of their beauty see. Let me more of the promises see. The wonderful words of God. And I know that that has been given to us today. Accept it. Rejoice in it. Be pleased in it. But rejoice in His Word. So that we can all have victory. Let us pray. To God the Father, we come to you today, and first of all, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your message, and we thank you for your love and mercy that is extended to us, and how that we can know you, and we can be a part of your kingdom here upon the earth by believing, by putting our faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, and by repenting of our sins. God, we just come to you today and we ask that prick the heart of everyone that is struggling. Prick their heart that they may be as others and say, what must I do? How can I get this out of my life? And how can I be a part of your kingdom here upon the earth? Lord, you know what is best for us all. You know what we need. Just give us each day our daily bread and let us be reconciled to your will. And let us be striving to be and to walk as Jesus walked. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.